0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris.
1: Good morning, Mike.
0: And you know what we always say here at the show? No shazamming in the house. Uh, welcome to another week. We have uh, some interesting stuff going on. Uh, the, Q, the Q has made an unprecedented uh, change to North American men's hockey. Um, some records being set and may and broken the Bruins have managed to reacquire, uh, their ability to win games and uh, a bunch more stuff going on, including some fairly disturbing details, uh, about the Harvard women's hockey program over the last, uh, decade or so. Where do you want to jump in?
1: Uh, I want to I, – I think we need to touch on this Bennington thing since it happened earlier in the week. I, I Oh,
0: Jordan this, Bennington being Jordan Bennington.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry, think, but <clears>
0: – <throat> Do you think he said taste the rainbow as he was whacking away at Ryan Herman?
1: You're taking all the good lines this morning, Mike. It's <laughs> my job. Yeah. I think that he I think what he was saying as he skated along the Minnesota bench after allowing 3 goals in I want to say it was like a a minute and a half too many. it was mm. a very short period of time I, I I didn't know anything was going on I I happened to be receiving tweets about this and yeah chirping the bench after allowing 3 goals seems a little counterproductive so he probably skated around and said something like You know, taste the rainbow mother, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's we've seen this behavior before from him. I don't understand. What they see in him. I mean, yes, he won a Stanley Cup backstopping them, but his numbers were average, Uh, Doug Armstrong clearly got rid of and I've said it many times, I know, but he's clearly gotten rid of the wrong goaltender. And yet he keeps getting starts and he keeps getting into games, and now he's been suspended two games without pay. Two
0: games without pay for, quite frankly, getting upset (coughs) at something that's (laughs) very much part of his job. Stopping stopping the stopping the puck. <laughs> you allow goals as a goalie; it's going to happen. Statistically speaking, it's going to happen to ninety-eight percent or more uh, of the games that you play. And you know, do it, it? Does anyone in the world expect you to like it? No. But if you're letting in heat goals in a game. There's a couple of people that you need to be upset with, perhaps. Your coach. Possibly your teammates. Certainly yourself. When, but when, whacking away with your goalie stick, the heaviest, thickest stick on the ice, at, at a player who, yeah, they skated through your crease which only happens about 15 times in an average game. Uh,
1: Jordan Bennington (laughs) is a loose cannon. Uh, Just a bit. I mean, this is a guy and, and when, when I just picked any story, I just picked a random story. This one's Yahoo news. Is it the first sentence is, St. Louis goaltender Jordan Bennington was suspended for two games on Thursday for his latest on-ice outburst. If the phrase latest on-ice occurs, there's a problem because that means it's happened at least once or twice before.
0: Well, and don't forget that this is the same dude who threw a water bottle at Nazem Kadri while Nazem Kadri was being interviewed on national TV. On national TV. Two days after Bennington played, you want to make the excuse for uh, for Binnington that he's caught up in the heat of the moment. He's just really passionate about,
1: uh, the, okay, about hockey. Okay, that's fine. There's you being passionate, it. and then there's being stupid. You can make the argument, but what about what about the what
0: about the Kadri incident? If there were pe- there was someone arguing with me on Twitter that that injury was 100% Kadri's fault. Not I, look, I tweeted the video link this week. Kadri is skating straight forward towards, admittedly, the center of the net, but Bennington is well off to one side at that point, before uh, Bennington's own teammate skates into Kadri and takes both of them uh, into the crease with the uh, Blues player going into Bennington first. This is this is a pattern of behavior. I am a I am an expert both in study and in life experience of having a temper.
1: Was he was was he not aware that the goaltender at the other end is Marc Andre Fleury, who's not actually shy about defending his teammates. I mean I don't see him skating down to the other end of the ice to start fights, but he's he, this this guy is clearly a teammate you want on your team. So Bennington joins. Uh, <laughs> Bennington entered the goal celebration. So Ryan Hartman scored a goal, yep. and there was quote unquote light incidental contact with light the goal. Light incidental, uh huh. And that's the, the, the league called it light incidental contact. So after this, Bennington enters the goal celebration with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you're wearing the wrong color there, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, and then struck Hartman's face with his blocker. And we don't see a problem with it. And it, it, I mean, he doesn't see a problem with it. When, I
0: don't That's the point where goaltenders are supposed to be taking the time to
1: reset. Because usually you see them, they skate off to the corner or they or they go for a quick skate around, you know,
0: or they take their mask off, have a drink, put their mask back on, shake themselves back into position, tap both, uh, tap the uh, tap the post with their stick and then hit back into their stance.
1: Yeah. No, he decides he wants to celebrate or pretend to celebrate and then hit Ryan Hartman in the face with the blocker, which, by the way, is not exactly a soft piece of equipment.
0: Well, they they said that he threw the blocker or threw a couple of blockers.
1: I, I don't it, no, it's he, he struck a, during he Binnington entered the goal celebration and struck Hartman's face with his blocker. That says to me, he hit him. He didn't throw it at him. He hit him with it. But whatever. So he suspended two games for roughing and unsportsmanlike sportsmanlike conduct because he received the match penalty and whatnot. It's going to cost him slightly less than $65,000 to miss two games.
0: Quite honestly,
1: that's better than the $5,000 maximum fine he would have gotten for being a... Dummy. Yeah, I was trying to find a nice way of saying things that I can't.
0: No, there's really not a need to be nice in a situation like this.
1: Yes, but I can't run around calling you a dumbass all the time. Uh, (laughs) Because we don't do that on our show. (laughs) Although I just people
0: earn it, they do. We've told we've said that Marshand has been stupid on this show. (laughs) We've said that other Bruins players and other NHL players have been. Just plain stupid.
1: I was just trying to clean up the language a little and couldn't find a, a, a fitting term.
0: <laughs> you know, we're not actually going to bring it up or spend any time on it. But because the kid isn't a NHL player is unlikely to be an NHL player, um, but he is the child of an NHL player uh, who did something fairly, fairly stupid and was stupid enough to do it on camera. Um okay. It, that is pure dumbassery. Like and that person has a history of it. It's not a random event when it happens multiple times. And I I don't have any sympathy at that point. I literally have no sympathy for Jordan Bennington.
1: I don't at this point. What sympathy? How can you have sympathy for a guy who clearly goes into the, clearly has, his behavior is to start a rocket. He's not responding to it. He's not look, defending himself. He's gone off to be the instigator. If a, someone, for lack of a better if term, someone,
0: if someone skated into his crease and just started hacking away at him,
1: well, different story. Go
0: for it. Look, dude, go for it. I'll I'll stand here and clap. Um, you know, someone comes in and kicks your skate, they kicks your leg out from underneath you in the crease. Again, go for it. Rock on. You've got my support. But for you to push your way into a goaltending, uh, into a goal celebration, and start whacking away at someone. I'm not even going to call it immaturity because Jordan Binnington is not particularly young anymore.
1: That's a starting point, immaturity. (laughs) It gets worse from there.
0: Immaturity is what you say about someone who's, you know, 23 years old and still doing stupid stuff or 20 years old and doing stupid stuff. Jordan Bennington's going to be 30 in about three months.
1: And still doing stupid stuff. Imagine that.
0: This is this is impulse control issues and someone with a license would not be allowed
1: to say this. If he throws a milk crate in onto the bench or into the crowd, (laughs) he hasn't he hasn't seemed to hit that
0: level of. No, no, no. We haven't heard about it. Oh, okay. Honestly, I, I I think that the water bottle incident is probably worse because he deliberately tried to hurt someone who had who was you know thirty forty feet away from him uh, and had their back to him. But this is this is like a clinically significant level of behavioral uh, incidents.
1: I just. I don't get it. I, goalies have bad nights. He happens to be having. Well, one he, con, he one has continuous a continuous bad night, but
0: that's the definition of Jordan Bennington's career.
1: Unfortunately, he gets to say that he's a Stanley cup winner. Though. So.
0: Yeah. Wow. we can, And we all know that we can thank uh, Bruce Cassidy for that one.
1: Now, did he actually skate around on the ice with St. Louis when they won the Stanley Cup? Did he get the ho- hoisted above his head?
0: I certainly believe so. Oh, okay. Oh, who uh,
1: Cassidy? Cassidy
0: <laughs> might as well have. I mean, he made all of he made most of the coaching mistakes necessary for the team to lose. Uh, about the only thing he didn't do was put uh, Bergeron in the press in the press box too.
1: Well, he did. He did. He did start Tuka, and start Tuca and start Tuca. And Yarrow Halak was just sitting there, going, "You know, I'm sitting here. I mean, hey, just, I'm, just I'm sitting comparison. here. I'm sitting. Here. Coach Joe, end of the bench. I'm here. And <laughs> two years in a row,
0: Jordan Bennington." we talk about really bad starts, quality start percentage, Mm -hmm. Um, the quality start percentage for the league, uh, league average 53%, bad uh, 50%, good 60% or greater. Two years in a row, he's been at 432 last year and 442 this year. So well below bad. His career is at 514, so he's a below-average career – he's a career below-average goaltender, which I think everyone except the person who wrote him that check after one good quarter of a season um,
1: understands. Hey, somebody thought it was a good idea to give him $6 million a year. I don't know who that was probably the guy who's going to get fired.
0: Like if I genuinely speaking, whether whatever else I think of the player, the coach, the organization, if I'm Jordan, if I'm in Jordan Bennington's camp, whether that's his agent, his, his parents, siblings, significant other, whatever. I encourage him to take the summer and do
1: some... Anger management?
0: Yeah, self-improvement, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, anger management, whether I, outpatient, inpatient, whatever. It's it's the point where it's, it's definitely hurting his career.
1: I don't believe Alan Walsh is his representative, because if he were... We'd
0: know that by now.
1: <laughs> I think Alan Walsh, A, yeah, would have let us know... And, Probably B would have grabbed Bennington by the scruff and
0: it trotted him off to uh, the player assistance program. Yeah. Whether he wanted it or not. <laughs> uh, um, stop me if you've heard this before. Uh-oh. But Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand have broken another team record?
1: Uh, well, yeah, they, I'm pretty sure they've broken a team record or two. Uh,
0: in this case, uh, in the wild game, they finally, well, finally, uh, they broke the record in with their assists on Jake DeBrus' goal. Uh, it was the 407th time that Bergeron and Mearshand have factored on the same goal that's scoring or assisting breaking the previous Bruins record of 406 set by teammates uh, Phil Esposito and Ken Hodge I-, I think we're reasonably familiar with those guys and how well regarded they are across hockey for the last
1: <laughs> well one of them one of them's in the Hall of Fame and when whenever the whenever these guys names come up on lists the names surrounding them on those lists are typically have that three-letter acronym after their name, HOF.
0: Yeah. Now, this article came from NBC Sports. Um, It's by Nick Goss. Um, And you get to the last line of it, and you start hearing, or the last paragraph of this, and you see, we're seeing something that we flat out were not seeing two years ago, three years ago, both of the um, both of them are. Speaking of MarShand and Bergeron, both of them are Bruins legends and future Hall of Famers. I, four years ago, did you genuinely think the Bruin that Mar, Brad Marchand was going to go into the Hall of Fame? Because I can say unequivocally that I did not. I didn't think so,
1: and I don't want to argue. I, I don't want to disagree with Nick Goss, uh, but part of me wants to only because. As we say about other players, what does the resume have? I mean, yes, Bergeron, six Selkies, Stanley Cup. Uh, it, Marchand has, what, one, all, two All Star appearances and a Stanley Cup? There's no individual. I mean, yes, you have to look at the other members of the team. I get that. But we say that about t- players on other teams, and we can discount whether the. I think because of his association and the fact that it's a, a an original six team and you look at where his name appears on other team uh, lists of, of of accolades, that yes, I think now you can say that he is potentially a Hall of Famer, but sometimes I wonder if he's going to get the same treatment as Bergeron. Well,
0: yes. Bert- He's not going to get the same treatment as Bergeron. Bergeron is a sure thing. First ballot Hall of Famer period. There's not like the time is going to come where Ovechkin and Bergeron and Crosby are all retiring in the same year or two span. And everyone's going to get their ballots and say, yep. And it's not even going to be a conversation. The people who don't like Russians are still going to vote for uh, Ovi. The people who hate the Bruins are still voting for Bergeron. The people who hate Crosby are still voting for Crosby.
1: Um, See, I think the last I think the last line of this article is probably more prescient than the one you quoted. There are a lot of superstar duos in the NHL. But a few of them are more productive at both ends of the ice than Bergeron and Marchand.
0: I can't think of a pair of players.
1: Matthews Marner, no. David uh, McDavid, McDavid Drysital, no.
0: The most the pair that I think is the best comparison, although they were a completely different dynamic. Uh, was Getzlaff and Perry when they were at their peak and played together frequently? Even yeah. there, they didn't play together all the time. I mean, Bergeron and Marchand have mostly only not played together when one or both is injured for the past decade and a half. Agreed. Um, you know, you can talk about. I mean, it, certainly the Sedins were in, in nowhere, nowhere near as good defensively. Um. I I would be hard pressed to think of a. I I mean, what you'd have to go back to Datsuk and Zetterberg as possibly the, <laughs> as yeah. possibly the next closest comparison. And all respect to that pair, Dats, Datsuk was absolutely dynamic, dazzling. Yeah, I can't. They're not as good.
1: Nope.
0: If you ask me, if you ask me, you know, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron are not available. I've got a time machine. We can go pick up any other pair of players um, and pop them into your team for for a three week period. It probably is that pair. But. It's not like they're just not the same and it's not just because they were red wings and it's a genuine qualitative difference i think the i think one of the things that's going to hurt brad and we're i wasn't intending to spend a huge amount of time on this no i know he's it's not just the lack of awards it he's gonna have he's gonna break some general NHL records, not just most suspensions, but he's going to be in the top five, top 10. Like he's two goals away from being in the top 10 for all time, shorthanded goals. And all he has to do is play out his contract and he'll hit that. Um, But he's never had a 40 goal season yet. He he's been robbed of games by things Um, and by COVID and shortages and and, uh, out and Shortened seasons and stuff like that. Um, as much as I love watching Brad Marchand play, I, I gotta say that I'm slightly disappointed as a fan not to not to be able to point to at least one or two goal seasons or fifty goal season on his on his resume. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> do I think that with the accumulation of Boston Bruins records and climbing into that top 10 in league all time records that you could you'll be able to make a great case for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I do.
1: Um, But I'm not saying he doesn't belong. I just I'm not saying he doesn't belong. I just think that it's I think the road is trickier for him.
0: It is, and because it's really are, it's, going to. It's do, really going to depend on.
1: Do they weigh in the fact that he's had multiple suspensions? Do I mean does that come into play when you're voting somebody into the hall? Stuff like it that. Sh-
0: it shouldn't, given all of the, given all of the stuff that we knew about guys like Bob Probert and other <laughs> hockey players of the seventies, eighties, and nineties. I mean. You're talking. Legit,
1: I don't think without, I don't think without, in without the Hall attaching
0: of the word to the words to any player in the Hall of Fame, but you're talking about legitimate criminal behavior versus doing really aggravating BS on the ice.
1: I don't think Proby's I don't think, Pro, I don't think Pro in the Hall of Fame, though.
0: I don't think he is either. But like, just in general what we knew about some players of that era who were really well regarded.
1: Oh, they knew how to fight. They knew how to throw down. <laughs> and Bob was not shy about it. <laughs> Just Not shy about it. But yeah, Bob has no all-star appearances. He has no yeah I I just uh, it's just impressive what these two have been able to do over the course of the last decade plus it, it's impressive uh, and I don't even know if that's a strong enough word but to sit yeah. there and to sit there and, and just constantly be at each other's you know knowing where one is going to be and and the, the level of chemistry is just so off the charts. So congratulations on yet another record broken for these two.
0: And I can't even think of how much higher that number is going to go if Bergeron uh, plays another year or two.
1: Because no, they're no, on the ice
0: together a lot.
1: Nobody wants to see him Retire. I mean, at some point he's going to, but nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants. Uh, except, uh, maybe, I, except maybe his wife and children.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I mean, you look at some of the. Well, that's a, that's a topic for another day. There you go. Where
1: are we going next? What's up with John Carlson?
0: John Carlson is due back from injury real soon mm-hmm. uh, they they're expect they're projecting him to be back uh, probably sometime this week okay uh, Carlson as of today 33 years old making eight million a year um, and he's got three full years with a no trade modified no trade list on his uh, on his contract.
1: Yes. Is Washington currently in a playoff position?
0: That's that's part of the question. It's a big part of the question.
1: Um, I'm sorry, right I didn't mean to right jump now, ahead. It was they are the not. First.
0: They are two they are two spots and five points out of the second wild card. Mm-hmm. Um Is, is it My question is, of course, is it better for John Carlson's health long-term to shut down for the season?
1: Yes. I really didn't have to think about that one. Um, I mean, five points is not exactly a huge margin. Can it be overcome? Can they slip into one of the two wild cards? Yes. Is Is bringing – The question question I have is, is bringing John Carlson back – going to be enough of a factor to eclipse those five points.
0: Well it is five points. The two uh, the two teams directly ahead of them, Florida and Pittsburgh, both have a game in hand. Although it's worth noting that the Islanders have played one more game than Washington. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah. Buffalo, who's only one point behind Washington, has two games in hand on on the on the Capitals. I, I still do, I still see it finishing just about like it is with New York and Pittsburgh in the last two spots. But with only one point between Pittsburgh and Florida um, and both of I, them having terrible road records.
1: I would rather see a I would rather see a fully recovered fully healthy John Carlson come back next year.
0: Yes uh, I I, see, I think that's the best move. Do I think it's going to happen?
1: No Oh no Washington wants Washington's gonna want him back uh, and I can't argue with that side of the I can't argue with that side of it either. I mean John Carlson is clearly their best defenseman. At
0: this point, John Carlson is
1: their only defenseman.
0: He's the second best player on the team. I mean, it's Obi and him and everyone else. And that's you know Evgeny Kuznetsov is a is a solid you know is a solid player. Dylan Strom is a solid player. Uh, TJ Yoshi is uh, starting to show th- some wear around the edges, shall we say? Yes. Um, Connor sheri he he him and Sonny Milano are, you know, I like Connor Sheary
1: for what he is.
0: Yeah, they're middle six guys. Yes. If they're if they're showing up uh, and playing hard every night, they're you're getting what you need to out of them. Anthony Manta I think that 26 points and 61 games is probably not what people hope for out of him. Um, I mean, at six five and two thirty four for a right wing, you, you kind of expect more, almost by accident. And earlier in his career, you used to get it. He had uh, 24 and 25 point 25 goal seasons back in 17. 17- 18 and 18, 19, but he sort of dried up since then.
1: I think what concerns me most is when I read this, when I, when I read this from Russian machine, never breaks. And I'm, I'm going through it and I'm looking at, and he's detailed some of the things like, you know, getting struck by light and how it felt and how, how he's felt the issue the injuries that he actually suffered when he got hit by that puck skull fracture and severed temporal artery. Take the time, man. I know you want to come back. Hockey players are a, a, a very entirely animal, yeah. fickle, entirely different animal, and they want to play. You got the guys who get out there. they get you know. They get cut in the face, they're back out there ten minutes later, just stitch me up, you know. That's just the way hockey players are. They, they, they don't want to be off the ice for long, any longer than necessary. I think somebody needs to have a have an honest discussion with him and say, look, it might be better if we shut down this season and make sure that everything this is this is your head. You've suffered a skull fracture. Let's make sure that everything is 100%. I know you've missed 34 games and I know you're itching to get back on the ice but uh, I think discretion is the better course of, uh, of valor here and, and I think he's better off coming back next year with a fully healed diagnosis than to come back and try and get back into a, a, a playoff race that you may or may that you may be out of even if it's only by five or six points. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking he needs to be shut down. As much as I'd love to see John Carlson play again. And I'm not necessarily a Washington Capitals fan, but I am a hockey fan. I would love to see him back on the ice. But I think in this case it needs to be tempered
0: i mean the temporal artery this is this is a major major artery it runs right through your temple it's a yeah no i this and it was severed huh? cut Not opened, severed. Um, I take the summer off. Take that to take those normal two, three weeks that you normally uh, that you usually rest and rest. Start coming back with your full workouts, you know, first week of June, second week of June. Whenever it is you get get to it, and come into camp at 100%. There is literally no reason on earth for him to uh, for him to push it. John Carlson has done everything that you can as an NHL player. Um, he's won a cup. <clears throat> he's won a Norris. Show sure. <sighs> use your brain. <laughs> Just use your brain, please. Um, I think, that, and I think that as much as I want, as much as I want to see him play, yeah,
1: I want to
0: see him. I want to see him playing, you know, with his kids when he's forty-two, uh, and comes to the arena some night, and still is able to remember, you know, at least half the players that he played with, and his children's name.
1: He's still a hockey player, and, and, and he's and it says it, and he says it right in the article. He Freeze wants to come back. Out. He's ready. He's you know, and that's fine. That's why I think cooler heads need to prevail. I think they need to have a conversation with him, because as the hockey player, he's always going to say, "I want to, I want to be in. Put me in, coach. Let me go. Pick your favorite phrase, you know." But cooler heads need to take hold of the situation. Personal opinion.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's he's won World Junior gold. Yeah, he he won World Juniors gold back in 2010. Multiple multiple All Star appearances. He won a Calder Cup twice with the Hershey with the Hershey Bears. Stanley Cup champion in 2018. All Star. Um, All-star. He actually do I am I missing this? I thought he had won a. I thought he had won a Norris. He doesn't. It's not listed here. Uh, I don't believe he's won a
1: Norris Trophy. Ugh. Dumb. Okay. Uh, he's yes. He and he and Shea Weber are the two defensemen that I don't understand why they've never won one, but. Absolutely. Uh, I don't have any explanation for that.
0: Nope, none. Okay, let's jump into the big and ugly one.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was wondering, I know I've been wanting to avoid this just because...
0: This is a really, really complex issue. Um, The Harvard Women's Hockey Program has been investigated for... um, Highly inappropriate behavior, hazing, um, and it's – going into it, if you're not familiar with the situation, it's important to remember that – well, it's important to remember that humans, A, make terrible witnesses, B, humans lie a lot, uh, including people that we don't normally talk to about lie uh, talk about as liars, starting with parents, because one of the things that the head coach of the uh, women uh, the, uh, of the of uh, the Harvard women's hockey says is, "I know everything that goes on. I've got eyes in the back of my head." Words that pretty much every parent has spoken in North America.
1: I was gonna say I've heard that phrase many times. You don't uh, you misbehave because I could. Years. <laughs> Don't you misbehave. I've got eyes in the back of my head. I can see everything that's going on. <laughs> yes. And quite
0: frankly, uh, it, that really only works until your kids are about 12 and figure out that, no, you just know people well enough to know or where everything in the house is supposed to be well enough or you look for enough details and to tell you that something happened. But no. Uh, so... Chris found the story. I'm going to let him uh, pound away at this, because this is... There's stuff there. I'm not sure how much of it lies at the feet of the coach, how much of it lies at the feet of past and possibly present players.
1: I, I don't... know. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this, because I did... Is it... My question is, is it the women who are upset with against the women who played and had some level of success? You know, where do you draw the line? But the, the whole story is that there is a bunch of hazing. There is hazing going on at the school. They had a dinner and it came out that there was going to be this Globe Exposé, which, as it turns out, the very next day that the Exposé came out, Harvard still held one of their rituals called the Naked Skate. That is one one of the bones of contention in this whole story because the girls on the team, they go out, they're naked, they, they... And there have been some minor injuries, girls complaining of of skin burns and and sliding on the ice and various body parts getting uh, slight skin burns and whatnot. Yes. And that's just one of the many things that's going on. But the more I read this story, and I don't want to put – the thing is I don't want to offend either side because there's something here. I'm not saying that it's a complete non-starter. There's something here, but some of the comments from various players sound more like a a sour grapes type of situation, or it's a he. I heard from a friend who heard from.
0: There are there are probably four categories of things that the coach said that should be taken, uh, that need to be uh, separated out. First is the stuff that either the head coach or past coaches have said that were clearly problematic. Um, she, there were comments made about a player of Japanese descent uh, and her family or some something like that. Dumb, stupid, no place for it. There was a comment made that a player needed to... Uh, uh, There are comments about a player needing to gain weight uh, to keep playing or to play healthily. That is part of what a coach does, is guide health decisions. That's not problematic. I understand that a lot of people have issues surrounding food and body image. And but that's a normal part of playing organized sports. Like it doesn't matter if it's soccer, if it's, you know, football, if it's hockey, if it's gymnastics, if it's basketball, your level of fitness and your ability to compete and endure competing is a is as much a factor as, you know, your general joint health. And showing up for practices and going through the drills with your other with your teammates. Um, there's the stuff that could be misconstrued in another category, mm-hmm. and then there's the stuff that just makes no sense uh, as it's reported. Like there's a couple of things in this article I just don't I don't understand. It, it may be taken out of context. It may just be a manner of speaking that. I don't a dialect of human English that I I don't get. I But this is a long long is, arth- athletic article.
1: It uh, is a very long story and 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 it says it, the athletic actually says in the story and and I want to make sure I get the author correct. Haley Salvian and Katie Strang. Okay. Katie Strang
0: is one of the most respected writers in hockey has been for over a decade
1: um and they yeah. do that they do their due diligence i mean they they spoke to more than 30 individuals for harvard or associated with the program going back for more than 20 years they reviewed audio recordings video email correspondence they they have seen the and they and it's and this the paragraph states the athletic did not find direct evidence that stone played any role in initiation week mm-hmm. or the finding system or was present for the naked skate. But they say that she's never there for the naked skate and it, that it's just the, 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 the captains. It's
0: a, it's a play. And that's, that's one of the, that's one of the nuances of this story. If you ask any, players who have played organized sports up through major, junior um, through college, or even like prep school leagues and stuff like that. There are always, always, always events happening where there are players present and coaches and team staff are not. it Sometimes they are in official places, you know, like in the rink or on the football field or the basketball court. hmm. And sometimes they're at, you know, the local pizza place or someone's house or, you know, if you're away at a tournament, they're at a they're in a hotel room that uh, um, or a par- or a uh, ballroom where the adults present haven't tracked them down. And by adults, I definitely mean any team official Um, not, and or parent, not just, uh, because sometimes this involves, and because it happens with both young kids and college age adults, even, even when you look at, uh, the NHL today, two and a half weeks before the start of the, of training camps, for the most part, you'll see captain's practices. Yeah. There's no coaches involved. General manager, not involved. It's it's the guys and the captain or alternate captains are in charge of things. Are they doing things 100% the way that the coaches would do? Of course not. Of course not. It, and let's be honest, there's not a way to... I don't think that there's a way to eliminate initiation week type behavior without damaging team cohesiveness. Even there are certain behaviors that absolutely should probably go away. But I don't think you can, I don't think you can eliminate it without, without hurting that team feeling because there is a certain something to be said about how much easier it is to make friends with someone or understand the way that they think and behave after their barriers have come down, how you've seen them respond under stress. And so do I think that the naked skate is a hundred percent necessary? No. No. Do I think unfortunately is 100 percent harmful? Also, no.
1: Whether I mean, whether you want to believe whether you want to believe it or not, it, it, hazing goes on at all levels. I mean, just stop and think about whether it's hockey or whether it's football. The rookies, the rookies, the rookies, rookies. the rookies are always either carrying the pads for the for the veterans, carrying their bags, carrying their equipment they're running and getting the water and the, the rookies are still being hazed. I, it, I'm not trying to compare that situation to what happened here because the one paragraph in all of this that really disturbs me the most is the fact that the athletic spoke with Harvard spokesperson, Rachel Dane, hour long conversation went over the allegations, requested interviews with stone, the coach McDermott associate coach Lee J Mirasolo, and Mike Smith the school's faculty athletic representative. And Stone said she didn't have time to talk to them, didn't wish to speak to the athletic. McDermott, Mirasolo, and Smith all declined to comment. Dane, the representative, wrote back an email addressing one allegation in this whole story, but otherwise declined to comment. I think that's my biggest issue is when you're – circling the wagons as they appear to be that's only going to bring more attention to if there's really nothing to see here somebody from the school needs to be speaking
0: Okay, are you if someone tells you if someone from the school actually told you there's nothing to see here none of this stuff happened or none of the things that the coaching staff is accused of being complicit with actually happened what percentage of people, particularly people in the media, do you think are going to believe them?
1: I probably zero point zero or zero point zero two percent. I understand it's going okay. to be a small number, but is that not better than not commenting at all? Okay, and just letting everybody's imaginations run wild. Okay.
0: Given some of the comments that the coach has made or that are on the record of the coach having made or the assistant coaches having made, then own it. it, Given some of those comments, what's the likelihood that you think that they're going to say something, even if it's completely innocuous, that the press is going to take out of context or readers are going to take out of context and twist it to something worse?
1: very high percentage and that's what the pre- that's what the press does they take a so, sound bite and make a story out of it so what they
0: if if this is the tactic and not simply circling the wagons they're refusing to feed the fire like actually that's the first but that's in, the first statement that the coach makes in this article is they're trying to set this program on fire but Here, here's the quote. Um, they're trying to light this program on fire, and we're not going to let that happen. Yes. I I think lack of commentary as a whole uh, probably, probably is the best tactic,
1: because even... The issue is you're only getting information from one side at this point.
0: But you've already t- If you're... If you're bothering to go into an investigation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's two things that are true. One, you've already taken aside because you believe the information is actionable or creditable, creditable enough to be actionable. And two, you're going to you're going to deal with the bias of uh, the created bias of having information first. Uh, you're going to believe that a person is. Based on what you know about them or what you've heard about them, and these allegations are pretty serious. Um, you're going to believe that there is something going on, whether there is or there isn't, because in a lot of these cases, there's not going to be footage, there's not going to be audio recordings, there's not going to be photographs that would exonerate anyone. It's I'm I'm certainly not calling it a nothing burger.
1: It or anything like that, but I don't think this is. Not, I don't think this isn't a nothing burger, but I do think that some of it might be <sighs> for the public. Making a comment that it was like a cult, and and that it's like compare it to the prison situation.
0: Well, that was a comparison by a player, and so.
1: Okay, so that's how they felt. I get it.
0: Um, I'm more concerned with stuff like the finding and mo- uh, finding pro uh, system that apparently dates back as far as O2, um, where women were fined for the clothes that they wore, or um, that one I have an issue with. For uh, what they ate is. Again, your diet is a big part of your health. Your health is a big part of your ability to play. Um, for having a boyfriend or having a crush, that stuff is silly, and I hope that... I, it's just silly. And then... You now, here's the other part of this paragraph. is Some players say they had to pay a gay tax or an Asian tax. Um... I uh if this was a thing that other players were doing it's really stupid and various people need a smack in the head um, and some and an injection of some maturity at minimum um, but again this is not the stuff that stone is connected to um, and like the silly chance that she was leading uh, for people doing dumb stuff or for people showing up late or infractions. It looks like she was doing it even handedly. You know, the I hate player name chance for penalties by the other team or girls showing up late for practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Well, uh, uh, is, is how much worse is that than, Making a player who shows up five minutes late to practice has to skate fifteen laps, or or has to, you know, make sure that they collect all the equipment. You know, I I
0: don't see it as worse. I see it as dumb. I, like I don't, I, I I can't. Is someone supposed to like it? No. But you're also not supposed to be late to
1: practice. You want to avoid I, it. I mean. Are there other ways of handling situations rather than chanting that person's name because they were late to practice by saying, I hate Jane Smith because she showed up five minutes late to practice? Yes, there are probably were. there are there are probably other things you could have done than do that. But the idea is that you are being admonished for the fact that you were late to practice. Go skate 10 laps. OK,
0: yes. When you're playing an organized, I've had to do it. Organized sport
1: at a high level.
0: At a high level, you're an adult. These are all adults. Yeah, you have made an adult commitment. You know, as someone who should know better to, and has a significant amount of control over their schedule and their movements, to be in place on time to contribute your efforts at your to the best of your ability if you're failing at that promise, yes, there are consequences whether you like them or not. You don't if you want the consequences of an action, the positive ones, you make sure you take that action. When you take a action that has negative consequences, you know, you're going to have to live with that. And quite frankly, a silly chant that lasts for like a minute, if that's the worst thing that happens to you and you're In your entire college experience, it's not something I can generate a great deal of sympathy for.
1: The whole team was uh, a player from 2016-17 said the whole team was centered around shame. She and others had to send a trainer photos of their meals. The trainer chided her for having a muffin on her plate. Is that a breakfast cupcake I see? Another player played a few years earlier was told she needed to gain weight. Again, the trainer telling you need to gain weight had to drink protein shakes to, to help bulk up a little bit. Um, the trainer chided her for having a certain muffin on her plate or whether it was good or bad. For yeah, that's the Trainer's job,
0: and by by the time a trainer is saying something to you, you know, as an adult in college about your diet, if you're ever anywhere, anywhere in the in North America, as ninety eight point nine nine percent of women playing uh, college hockey in the U.S. have, you understand that there has been a, a pretty big lean into proteins, lean meats, fruits, veggies, and away from carbs for athletes for a pretty long time. In fact, your entire playing career not saying that carbs aren't a part of the diet
1: but no carbs are important are part of a diet and you should
0: expect you should know what sort of diet is expected of you it's your choice to follow it but again you make a choice you take an action you accept the consequences of that action do i it, do i think that there's stuff here that is highly problematic. Yes. The comments about the Asian player by the coach, uh, by the head coach and by the assistant coach. Yep.
1: Now, I mean, one thing that I think that is kind of, I I go back and forth on this one is they also said that one of the, the players from that same year, sixteen seventeen, said that she put out a, Survey, a Likert scale survey of sorts. Yeah. Um, players fill out questions about teammates. Uh, does player name work hard? You know, they were scored from one to five. There was also a mandatory comment section instructed to list their teammates' strengths and weaknesses. Once surveys were completed, they called each player into a meeting and showed them what the teammates wrote about them. She said some teammates were shattered after reading harsh comments from peers. Coaches didn't name who said what, creating more mistrust among teammates. To me, not naming who said what is it's the uh, only redeeming part of it. I think you that, yes, to me, that is the only redeeming part of it. You don't name names. You don't create strife. I mean, the whole issue is the whole scale survey I think is a – terrible idea if you want to just have hey what did we as a group do right and wrong as opposed to listing particular individuals i think it's that a it's, team sport it's a team if you want to if you want to sit down and have a season ending okay let's look back what did we do right where did we go right what did we do wrong what could we improve as a team that's one thing doing it individually Is an issue to me, but not naming names is actually I I think that's actually a good thing. And they making it sound like that was a terrible part of it was that you couldn't even tell who said what about whom. Yeah, (laughs) I, I, I think that if you're going to take that sort of survey,
0: you need to. If you're going to take that sort of survey and deliver feedback from it.
1: But you you to have generalize.
0: to, you have to sterilize the data. You have to take, you know, five comments about a player, um, you know, goofing off or cutting corners and drills and saying, and, you know, you say to the coach, instead of nine players said that you were the player most likely to cut corners on, on drills, you say, look, not everyone said this but they you had the highest frequency of players saying that you were the person who cut corners the most you don't that said all of that said as an adult which all of these players are
1: it's still feedback
0: it's If you want to be better at something, you don't get better at things by just being patted on the head and told, oh, you're such a good, you're such a good player. You get better by looking at the areas where you need improvement and improving upon those areas.
1: I don't know if it's a direct correlation, but to me, it's got some. When I'm at work. And we go to a team, we go to a meeting, we do it over teams and somebody or or when I go to um, when I go to uh, the Compliance Institute and they have uh, uh, various and sundry training days and whatnot. At the end of each session. The presenters hand out a survey. They want feedback. Good, bad or indifferent and then they can take that feedback and do what they can to adjust good what well, you know okay i spoke too long i i didn't speak clearly enough i my 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 slide deck was convoluted you know what is this not something similar to that again you're not naming names i don't put my name on these surveys when i do these present when i do these these trainings I don't put my name on it, but I still give feedback as to what I thought they did right, did wrong, good, bad, and different. Give me comments. Absolutely, you. It, it's part of the improving process. I may not like the method, the way she goes about doing it, but I understand the concept behind what she's doing with the team. You can't improve if you can't recognize where you need to improve.
0: And you have as as an adult, as a professional, as simply someone who wants to get better at something, you know, I do a decent amount of photography. I've asked better photographers than myself what I can do to improve. They've told me like some of them have been pretty blunt. Some of them have just sort of well, you know, maybe you need to adjust the lighting uh, or the, uh, the white contrast or whatever on, on your shots. Maybe use a different filter. Great.
1: Um, But without that yep, feedback, yep, you're separate, not going to improve.
0: You have to separate yourself from... To a certain extent, you have to separate it from your abilities at something. Because, quite honestly, if you're I'm pretty sure no one gets to college division one, whatever, whether it's ping pong or soccer or lacrosse or rugby seven or diving without, without being better at it the day they arrive at college than they were when they first started doing that thing at five or eight or 10 or 12. You picked up that you picked up on correction and direction for a decade or so by the time you get to college. Is the direction going to be a little bit sharper, even coming from peers, than it was 10 years before? Of course this because you have spent a whole bunch of time developing your strengths, and the contrast between your strengths and your weaknesses at that point, they should be fairly stark. They should, like, I work with people and have my entire career. I used to be in sales. I do something similar now. Um, and I will tell you that, you know, I listen to people all day long. And I can tell within a few minutes of meeting people whether these are people who genuinely enjoy getting better at what they do. Or whether it's professionally or personally, or they're just trying to collect a paycheck. If you're there for the free ride in college uh, as a player, you know, you've got an athletic scholarship, not that Harvard does them, but you got an athletic scholarship and you're really just trying to ride that out so that you can get out of college without, uh, without a mountain of debt. 100% cool. But I owe it to myself to get better at what I do. Because...
1: I think we all do. We're always learning.
0: Regardless of what's coming in the future, I very firmly believe if you're not going forwards, you're not going back. I I mean, if you're not going forwards, you're definitely going back. Because it's not just other players, other persons, competitors getting better. It's the field getting more complex. Look at the... M- the Michigan-style lacrosse goal. Goaltenders who don't adapt to that, defenders who don't adapt to that, they're getting worse. They're literally getting worse at doing their job. Is it through a fault of their own? Partly, the dynamic has changed. But you can complain about it. You can do nothing about it, or you can, or you can address it.
1: My final takeaway from this is that these young ladies certainly have a beef in in some way.
0: Never said they didn't.
1: But I also believe that some of what they're beefing about is (sighs) actions that are taken by a team and a coaching staff and a training staff that's trying to improve. I mean – asking for feedback giving feedback are they going about it the right way that's questionable the whole thing with trainers and taking photos and tell me what you're eating and that's what trainers do i don't think i mean the coaches clearly stone has some talent for coaching 523 career wins 12 beanpot trophies 24 all americans 15 olympians Six winners of the Patty Kazmaier Award for the best collegiate athlete in women's hockey. It's there's something there, but I think that the issue falls somewhere in between the two poles.
0: Yes, I think that realistically, you have to exclude all of the initiation week player behavior. And the player behavior that happens outside of coaching presence from whatever you decide about Stone.
1: But I also feel that Stone needs to be more mindful of what she's saying, how she's saying it.
0: Oh, she lets stupid out of her mouth. That's clear. Yes. It, it, like, that's clear. I.
1: I as far, and as far as we know, she's still actually the head coach of the team there has been no fallout from this this article the globe article came out in at the end of january 28th if i'm not mistaken 27th something around there yep as far as i'm aware she's still head coach of the team so there has been no fallout as far as being fired or suspended or anything like that
0: uh correct um and having done that on this uh Let's uh, run through the last couple of topics for the show
1: and do we have a fun topic?
0: Um there's sort of a jaw-dropping topic.
1: Oh, jaw-dropping. I like jaw-dropping.
0: Um and it concerns two of the bright young defensemen in the NHL. Okay. 36 for Bobby Orr, 30 for Paul Coffey. 16 for Brian Leach, Dennis Potvin, 15, Dave uh, Babich, 13, Ray Bork, 12, Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Al McGinnis, Robert Picard, 11. What are these? These are career three-assist games by a defenseman 24 years or younger. Um, Quinn Hughes's birthday is October 14th. He will actually turn 24 on, uh, October 14th of this year.
1: So next season.
0: Next season. Yes. Um, okay. Kale McCarr is 24 already and will turn 25 October 30th of this year. His mother couldn't have
1: waited one more day. <laughs> Also next season, but so he's also a year so he's a year older than Quinn Hughes. They're both born in October. Yes. Okay. Um.
0: So, you're you're seriously looking at two guys who are having ridiculous early careers, ridiculous. Well, we touched on think, Quinn Hughes last week. Uh, but he's still not get. I don't think he's getting the national attention. He plays for that, Vancouver. That Makar is. Because he's doing all of this on a terrible team. Yes. But, McCarr, he in,
1: but he plays in Canada.
0: Kill Makar left a left the UMass program, had like what, five days to go join Colorado. Yeah.
1: His his, his season ended. Playoffs. His season ended, stepped into the playoffs, scored a goal in like his fir- in his first playoff game. And Played 10 NHL playoff
0: games um, and has been to the playoffs every year since Quinn Hughes only got into five games. His first NHL season only with three assists. Um, And then, uh, and that's after coming out of the big 10 in 18, 19 in the bubble hockey year, he had 16 points in 17 games. Hasn't been back to the playoffs since, but he's still just under a point-per-game player,
1: and nobody talks about him. He's in Vancouver. He's in Canada. He's playing for a team that has not been relevant since 2011. I don't disagree. I and mean, that's probably a little unfair. They've probably been relevant since – you know, they were good a couple of the, for the years – for a couple of years after. But to be honest, have they been relevant in the last decade? Seriously? No, that you haven't. And, I mean, literally the most exciting, possibly the most
0: exciting thing to happen to that team was was Jack Hughes. Hughes. I mean, you could say Elias Patterson, (laughs) but the fact that he is just, that he is actually at a point per game this season on a team
1: that's terrible. And nobody knows.
0: And nobody, A, knows it or is B, talking about it. And I think that there's two things against him on it. One, he's playing in a market that's not at peak right now. Mm-hmm. And two, he was born in Florida. Did he grow up in Florida? Not really. Um, because.
1: But he gained. Rec- see, first of all, he gained recognition for the wrong thing. He went to he went to the University of Michigan, and that's one of the things. You know, you either play in the Northeast here in Massachusetts, or you play in the M States, Michigan, Minnesota, you know, maybe Ohio, even though it's not an M State, but Ohio sort of kind, you know. But he came he he wanted to come out of school, but because Vancouver would not guarantee him a position in their top six he decided to go back to school for another year. Ultimately, it was the right decision. I think going back to school is something he should have done anyway. But the only thing people remember from that story is the fact that he wasn't guaranteed top six with Vancouver, so he decided to go back to school. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it's negative.
0: I don't don't blame him because, quite frankly... If he's going to sit in the press box for 25 games in the season and then play eight minutes a night or 12 minutes a night, that's not developing him.
1: I don't either, but not every fan is you or I. Not every fan recognizes that playing every night is more important. What the fan reads is what the what the everyday fan reads or what the fairweather fan reads, I should say, is he refused to play. He would rather go back to school. And that's the biggest thing that he's done, because unfortunately, the numbers that he's putting up, nobody's seeing them unless it's somebody like a you or an I or other podcasters or or talking heads, other people who are huge fans of hockey, uh, who are looking up numbers and seeing where they stand. The Fairweather fan doesn't see it, and he plays in a market that is not an original sixteen. Not a, a good team at this point in time. It, it, it's not a huge It's not a huge news market. Yes, it's in Canada, so it's a hockey market, but that's about it. it even if you moved him slightly down south and put him in LA, that's well, not slightly you down south. Put him in south, LA with him and uh, Doughty. And wow. he gets he he suddenly becomes more recognizable everywhere. Wow! Um, even
0: I mean, if you flip him and pick your favorite defenseman in St. Louis, he becomes a lot more noticeable.
1: That's my point. It's it's his location, unfortunately. It's because yeah, him and Kale McCarr, you know, a year apart. Similar stats. Kilmacar's got more playoff, more playoff time. But then again, he had more playoff time than a bunch of people. You know, happened to jump in right at the end of the Probably season. Probably got and
0: they more playoff popped. time than anyone else who, uh, who started their career at the same time.
1: Because he popped right into it. But um, yeah, he play, I mean, he played in Massachusetts. But he didn't he went straight to Colorado, jumped into the play, And that's the other thing. I don't think I think the fact that Vancouver with Quinn Hughes has not been a playoff team. Playoffs get national notoriety.
0: But that's the thing. The Avs were a playoff team without Quinn Hughes. The abs. And I'm sorry, without Kale McCarr?
1: Yes. You can make so, the
0: argument they don't win the cup without Kale
1: McCarr, and I but popping him onto a playoff team it's immediately, great for got him, immediately got him recognition.
0: Um, how many more three-assist games do you expect these guys to have before their – I mean, Quinn Hughes could have five or six more. I mean, he could be third on this list by the time it's all said and done. Uh, and that's – is this a list that's going to decide whether someone makes the Hall of Fame or not? No. most people are not
1: going to, to. I'm here to tell you that, mm, yeah, just about every name on that list except Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes are in the Hall of Fame.
0: I would have to double check on like Robert Picard and Dave Babbage but the, yes. the rest
1: of well okay fine the rest of them are in the Hall of Fame.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the rest I don't need to I don't need to double check on.
1: And if you're on a list where everybody around you is Hall of Fame material. Yes, it's a good bet that you're heading that in the right direction. <laughs> Absolutely. Um Other
0: story. Uh, So for those who can't get enough NHL or don't want to pay for cable um, so that they can get their local NHL team, most of junior hockey uh, of whatever variety has a streaming program. Um, The U.S. uh, PHL, their playoffs begin... On the 23rd and the 24th of this of this month, um, there's a preview series. Uh, a- actually, the 23rd and the 24th, um, and you can find these these games almost everywhere. Um, they are, Let's see, in the Islander, There's the let's see Islanders HC. Um, a lot of these are college bound. Uh, players, um, for the, let's see, I'm sorry. The Islanders hockey club, there's, uh, there's seed two in new England. Um, all game, uh, the, the, games are scheduled for Thursday, March 23rd versus the Toledo Cherokee. That's at 5 PM Eastern. Uh, then there's a game Friday, the 24th versus the Florida Eels. Um, you can find some the information is at USHPLPremier.com, dot com, and there's uh, and you can watch them on uh, the hockey TV app. So, between that, the PHF uh, playoffs, which are going on as we speak. Um,
1: Boston Pride going for their fourth Isabel Cup.
0: Yes, they, they may have to just rename it the Boston Pride Cup uh, at some point because. I wonder if uh, Reimer would object to wearing the jersey, but uh, beyond that, uh, oh, keep your eyes open because about eight minutes after uh, whoever is, uh, after Connie Bedard is selected first in this year's draft, yes, you're probably going to start hearing uh, a whole bunch of names uh, for next year's draft. And one of them is probably going to be Mack or Macklin Celebrini. 16-year-old is leading the USHL in scoring. Um, and he's doing it uh, by a not necessarily small margin with noticeably fewer games played than uh, a bunch of the guys around him. Plays for the Chicago Steel. Um, so as you're streaming junior junior games this year. Definitely worth uh, definitely worth watching a couple of Chicago Steel games.
1: Oh, look, Uh, he's heading to Boston University next year.
0: (laughs) Shots. Speaking of where he's been, he also played two seasons for Shattuck St. Mary's. Um, I'm reasonably certain one or two reasonable hockey players have come out of there. I can't remember who they are. But
1: in the 21-22 no,
0: season, uh, he played 52 games and 67 assists, 50 goals for 117 points, and that was a step back from his previous season with 50, 50 games, 51 goals, 90 assists for a total of 141 uh, points. Mm-hmm. He's in, a, in 43 games for the uh, Chicago Steel this year, 72 points with 41-31 um, and a plus-21.
1: Just not that a good. Just a hunch. That, he's not that good.
0: Just a hunch I think yeah. he's going in the first round. Uh, and the last thing on the board for the day – I He's ran a quick poll after. He's not
1: eligible to be drafted this year.
0: Yes, it's next year, the twenty twenty four draft.
1: Yeah, but I, but you said eight minutes after Bedard is drafted. Bedard yes, is eligible said, this year.
0: I said, if you were paying attention, that if eight minutes after Bedard is drafted, you're going to start hearing a bunch of names for next year's draft.
1: Ah. Uh, just running some clarification. Pay attention. I do.
0: Uh huh. So, poll. Um, Midweek, watching Trent Frederick get uh, a goal against, uh, it wasn't Chicago, it was Winnipeg. Um, I asked the question, can Trent Frederick, or uh, actually the question is listed, it's time to start asking the question, can Trent Frederick get to 20 goals in a season? I'm surprised by the, by the voting. But when you look at his career, despite the fact that he was a first-round draft pick, and I was disappointed with the pick because, yeah. let's face it, the most goals he has in a season prior to this year was 17, which is a decent number, in his second year at Wisconsin, uh, but even that Wisconsin number uh, is was after his draft year. Yeah. He had seven goals in two full seasons in the U.S. national development team. That's it. Seven goals. His previous career high for goals in the NHL uh, coming into this year was last year when he had eight When I put the poll up, he had hit 15. Um, the poll numbers, pretty stark with 83 votes. 19.31% said no. 807 believe Trent Frederick will get 20 goals in a season. Look, I'm a big fan of Trent Frederick. I have been since he first got to development camp. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't make, I don't pretend that I'm not. But 20 goals goes, puts you firmly in the category of strong middle six player, belongs there, might be a top six player on some teams if chemistry is right. We've already established that, yeah. But you couldn't say that last year you could
1: say well, under Cassidy he was played as a fourth line player primarily as a goon given five minutes a night
0: and punished every time the refs made a really bad call he didn't get his playing time
1: whereas this year Montgomery told him when he asked Montgomery what he could do or what he should be doing Montgomery told him to keep shooting and keep doing what he's doing
0: I mean, even with the friendliest possible uh, interpretation of his resume coming into this year, the best thing that you can say on paper about him other than great size, 6'3",
1: 214,
0: um, is that he was a first-round draft pick by a team not noticeably good
1: at drafting. The question that's going to follow him is, is he worthy of that first round pick? Could he have? Could they have gotten him in the second round? Could they have gotten him in the third round? That type of thing. I mean, there's clearly talent there. We've identified it. We've been talking about it since he was drafted, since he showed up at development camp. We know what he can do. He goes off to Wisconsin. He spends a couple of years under um, Granado. Learns learns his craft, hones his craft. I mean, there's talent there. I think the only, I think the one major question is whether he should have been a first round pick. Other than that, can he make 20 goals? And can he score 20 goals in the season? I think he's got the talent. I think he's got, I think he's got the ability. I think he's a middle six guy. We've been, I mean, we've been over all that. I, I think that Cassidy misused him, and yes. In some ways, uh, probably stunted him or held him back a little bit because he's more than just a fourth line bruiser. Absolutely, and he's, pro- and he's proving that playing with Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle.
0: Some of the guys drafted immediately between when they took Trent Frederick and when and Ryan Lindgren, who they traded away and
1: wasted. That and, was another mistake. Oops.
0: Um, Sam Steele. Uh, no. Rasmus Asplund, Andrew Peakey, Jordan Kiru, um, Lever Hayes.
1: Jordan Kiru get, gets $8 million a year from St. Louis.
0: Yep. yep. Alex Debrinkit.
1: Mm, uh, now in Ottawa, top scorer.
0: Okay. Um, Samuel Girard.
1: Uh, defenseman plays with Camp Cal McCarr.
0: 402 games into his NHL career versus Frederick's 184. Um, and then a couple of guys who were taken not long after that, uh, Philip Ronek, um, was, uh, immediately after that in the second round. Um, Dylan Dubé, Carl Grunson, um, Adam Fox was taken in the third
1: round in this draft. you believe Norris Trophy went third rounder?
0: Um, uh, <laughs> so not sure went in the third round or was it even later than that?
1: Actually, yeah, that right, that's true. He was. Um,
0: was I want say it was third round. I seem to remember Mike Milbury talking about that. Okay. Yep, number 56 in 1996. Uh, possibly the best draft pick of Mike Milbury's career.
1: That would put him second round in, in today's equivalent, but okay. Yeah. There were less teams then.
0: And that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, undeclared, undecided, no, 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 primer no, no. fans, and people who actually like hockey, and other people.
1: There's um, one more. There's one more question I have for you before you start getting rid of us. Have you heard of the? Have you heard the statement that there's no D in the queue? Yes. Well, now there's also no fighting in the queue.
0: Oh, that's correct. We <coughs> had that story. Um Doug just up. Just the this story morning. is fairly short. It's in the athletic. But the the basics of it come down to if you get into a fight in the queue going forward, it's an automatic game misconduct. There's some wrinkles to it where they claim the judgment, uh, the official judgment will be allowed into it. Mm-hmm. If there's a clear instigator. Yeah. But this is a political, there's a lot of political pressure, uh, in the queue, um, for this. And I wonder how much this is going to impact the queue. And if we're going to see players, families decide to move outside of Quebec, and have their players come to the USHL, or play in, or move to Western Canada um, to play I, in either the Ontario League or the Western Hockey League.
1: I do worry about where this is going to go. I mean, you can't, you can't take this kind of stance. Uh, it's been my belief all along that even the NHL trying to get, trying to get fighting out of the game, it's never going to happen. The NHL, uh, the NHL hockey players in general police themselves and not for anything, but I don't think the refs mind it because I think in some ways it actually helps them. Well, yeah, Here's- they, lo- they lose control. You know, they lose control sometimes, you know, they or, or if they don't have control of a game from the outset, but usually once there's a fight, unless it's a really heated something that's you know been building usually once there's a fight that ends the situation and here's the thing if you're getting to that point
0: where you're banning fighting all of these really nasty stick-in fractions uh, stuff like uh, uh, slew footing it's going to go up period It will go up and quite frankly, slew footing more likely to leave a serious injury than a lot of the fights that we see in the NHL, because by the time anyone gets their gloves off, gets the, uh, and gets away from the loose equipment on the ground, on the ice, they've centered their balance. They're ready to block and diffuse impact Someone walks up behind you, skates up behind you, slew puts you, you have zero reaction time. Even with a helmet on, you're probably hitting your head way harder than someone attempting to balance on skates is going to be able to punch you in the face. That simple.
1: Um, Yeah. I
0: I think you're going to see more spearing, more slew putting, uh, more really hard slashes to places like ankles and wrists um, that are going to end up in injuries, I, I, this is a bad call. I understand the, that there's good intent,
1: but there's also really lack really. of
0: understanding.
1: You just got to look back at NHL history. Yes, there there have been some bloody, bloody fights. Yes, there have been – I mean, Mark McLaughlin early this season was really bloodied in a fight in Providence. It, yep. it happens, but – the NHL uh, and hockey in general, uh, the cube, whatever, and hockey polices itself you know, as well as the, if not better than the officials do for them. You're never going to get fighting out of the game. Banning it is just going to create other – <sighs> open a door, close a window, close a door, open a window, whatever the phrase is. It, you're, create, you're, you're creating another – You're opening another can of worms by closing this one. Sorry. Yeah.
0: We know what road is paved with good intentions. And, uh, this is another brick in that road. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Share the show. Love the show. I'll put up another poll or two midweek. Um, have a great week and we will be back. Playoffs are less than a month away. I can't wait. I literally can't (laughs) wait. Um, the draft lottery will be May 8th, uh, I believe, and we will uh, we'll talk to you multiple times between now and then. In the near future, we're going to start talking about uh, some of the um, arbitration-eligible RFAs going into this uh, offseason, because uh, I think there's some interesting cases based on the way players have been uh, performing this season. And I want to talk about it before, uh, before the season wraps. Have a great day. We'll be back.